All right, if you've got your programs, open those up. I have another surprise. Good things happen to you guys. Another surprise for you, um, and it's awesome. So we've been asking people to share um, who they are, how they found Seminole Church, and to read our scripture every week. And today I have a special surprise. I want to introduce you to, to Callie Wagner, one of our youngsters. Watch this. Hi, SCC. My name is Callie Wagner, and I have been at SCC my whole life since I was a baby. My favorite part about it is kids going faster rich. <laughs> I'm going to read to you James 2.13 NCV. So you must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear of judgment. Goodbye. Now let's hear from Pastor Jerry. <laughs> She is great, isn't she? <laughs> now, Callie is going to be a teacher probably someday. She loves to uh, uh, she loves to teach her younger brother Evan. And I've I've called Callie years ago. I used to call her the mayor of Toddlerville because she was here every single week, and she kind of she kind of you know she would help all the new kids come in and kind of acclimate them to the room. Um, and now she's over in Kid Zone, and I think she's uh, she's going to be nine years old in seven weeks. So fantastic job, Callie! Thank you so much uh, for reading the scripture for us. Um, and if you've got your outlines, all the scriptures are going to be on the side screens. They're also on your uh, your worship guide there. And if you're watching out of the pavilion or you're watching online, all the scriptures will be on the bottom of your screen there. Now, if you're here on campus, you can really help me out by putting a name tag on. Um, especially now that everybody's wearing masks. I can't tell you guys apart at all uh, with, with your face covered. So if you don't mind uh, writing your first name down, it'll help me. Uh, we're a very friendly church. I'd like to get to know you by your first name. makes it easy for you to get to know people as well. And those of you who are on campus, there's also a communication card uh, that's there. You can put your prayer requests on the back. I'll let you know what to do with that at the end of the service. You know, we've been talking about how 2020 has been one of the most challenging years of any of our lives. Unless you were shot at for a year over in the jungles of Vietnam, this has probably been your craziest year of your life. And this year's not over yet, so may even top that. And we've got people have been struggling. You know, you've you got the pandemic, of course. You've got protests. You've got polarizing politics. And now we have two hurricanes possibly hitting next week in the, in the Gulf of Mexico. And um, i got to tell you, those of you who keep saying, well, how much worse can it get? Stop that! Stop that right now! You know? Are you kidding? It's like, a double dog dare you, God! How much worse can you get? Kind of a thing. Um, just, just quit that, okay? So this year has been discouraging for people on so many fronts. And we've been in this series now for a few weeks called Faith Works. And this changes everything. And we've been learning... How to develop a faith that works when life just doesn't work, like right now. And the book of James has given us so much health, help, so much strength for our faith to develop a faith that works really in any stage of life or in any circumstances of life that we're going through. And when we've been talking about if we would cooperate with God and letting him build our faith, that it really does change. It changes everything. And we need some things to change in our world right now. So, most of the people I talk to on a weekly basis are Christians. Those of us who are part of God's family, maybe even most of you who are watching. 
Okay, Christians. A while back, there was a very large Christian organization that took a national survey of people who aren't believers, people who are not Christ followers yet. And one of the questions they asked about Christians to the non-believers, they asked, what one word best describes the impression you have of the Christians that you know? What one word describes the people you know who are Christians? Unfortunately, the answer was not that they're loving. It wasn't that they're kind. It wasn't that they're humble, that they have integrity, or that they're generous. The number one answer that people, unbelievers, gave when asked what one word describes the Christians that you know, they said, the Christians I know are judgmental. Judgmental. That means we're not doing a very good job as Christians. I meet people all the time who come here to church and they're like, well, I haven't been to church in a long time, you know, when I was a kid or, you know, in my first marriage or when I was in college, you know, I went to church. But I felt like the church, they were just so, I just felt like they were so judgmental. And I always lean in and I say, you know why you felt that way? And they're like, no, why? Because they were so judgmental. Trust your gut. That's exactly it. If you feel like, I mean, everybody's judging me, it's probably because everybody's judging you. So we're not doing a good job if Christians' number one word that describe us to the non-believing world is judgmental. Because that's the exact opposite of what Jesus came to do. Now, every Christian knows the most famous verse in the Bible probably is John 3.16. Almost all of us know that. I use it every single Christmas. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We all know that, but sadly, most Christians pay no attention to the very next verse. The verse after John 3.16 is actually John 3.17. And it says... God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. And if we're serious about being a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christ follower, then our life mission must match up with his life mission. And God did not save us to judge people. God saved us to love people and to point people to Jesus so he could save them. That's why today what we're going to focus on is the implication of just really one phrase from that one verse that Callie read to us. It's on the top of your outline there. James chapter 2, verse 13 says, You must show mercy to others or God won't show mercy to you when he judges you one day. But the person who shows mercy will stand without fear at the judgment on judgment day. Now here's the phrase that I want us to focus on from the NIV version, that last phrase that says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I want us to focus on that phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mean? 
What does that mean for your life and my life as we're facing a global pandemic? Well, to get started, I want to give us kind of a simple definition of the word mercy. What is mercy in its simplified form? If you'll fill this out, mercy is love in action. Love in action. Mercy is not a feeling. It's far more than a feeling. You do something with mercy. You show mercy. Mercy is love in action. But this verse and other verses also communicates to us that mercy is the opposite of judgment. Mercy is different than judgment. When I'm judging people, I'm not being merciful. God says that mercy is more powerful than judgment, that it triumphs over judgment. It beats. Mercy beats being judged. It wins the day. It carries the day over judgment. We should be grateful for that. And I don't think we really get it or we would be more grateful and more merciful. Because if we got what we deserved, none of us would be alive. Everything we have is because of God's mercy. Even the air we breathe, the next breath we take, the heart that's beating in our, in our chest, everything in your life and my life is due to God's mercy. Life itself. So today I want us to look at this theme of mercy triumphs over judgment and ask really just two questions. I'm going to give you four kind of points from Scripture that answer these two questions. The first question we're going to look at is, why does God expect me to show mercy to everyone? And then we're going to look at how. How does God expect me to show mercy to everyone? And as I said, James is very, very blunt. And I'll have a little fun being a little blunt today. And James is very practical. But you know what the truth is? The whole Bible is practical. I mean, Jesus was very practical. So let's look at these two, and then we'll kind of unpack this. What does the Bible say, or why does God expect me to show mercy to everyone? Let me give you four reasons right from God's Word. Number one, the number one reason we're to show mercy to everyone is because God continually shows me mercy. Will you fill that in? God continually shows me mercy. As I said, every breath we take is because of God's mercy. Every beat of our heart is because of God's mercy. Every new day we wake up to, every sunrise, is because of God's mercy. God is a merciful God, and it is emphasized throughout Scripture. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God is so rich in, in mercy, and He loves us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, which is exactly what baptism is a picture of. He gave us life. We're raised to life. That's what it says on our baptism t-shirts. Notice this verse says, we were dead because of our sins. Now, when we're dead, there's nothing we can do about it. In fact, when we're dead, there's nothing we can even do because we're dead. We don't have the power to change our life when we're dead. It's too late. There's no self-help book. That will change a dead person, is there? We're just stuck. We're hopeless, which is why we need a Savior. You see, it's God's mercy that keeps us alive. 
It's God's mercy that saves us. It's God's mercy that keeps us out of hell. That saves us from a lot of the trouble. It's God's mercy that saves us from a lot of the trouble that our own bad decisions cause the problems in our life. God expects us to pass on this undeserved mercy that he has given to us. He expects us to pass it on to other people. We don't deserve his mercy, and we're to pass it on to people. Nobody deserves mercy. He says, I want you to pass it on. Matthew 18:33. This is Jesus, our Savior, speaking. He says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? So the first reason we're supposed to share mercy, show mercy to everybody, is because God shows us mercy. Second, second reason, write this in, because God wants me to be like him. God wants me to be like him, so I'm to show mercy to everybody else. God's a merciful God. He wants us to be like him, like father, like daughter, like father, like son. Now, a very important verse from the Old Testament is found in Hosea 6, 6. I'm reading out of the NIV. This is God speaking, and God says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement rather than burnt offerings. Now, this Old Testament verse, the reason why I say it's so important, it's so important that Jesus quotes it twice in the Gospel of Matthew. And this may shock you. It should shock some people who claim to be Christians. This verse might shock you, but what it says is, showing mercy is more important to God than worship. Now, how important is worship? What we're doing on Sunday when we come, we worship. It's one of the purposes of the church. One of the purposes of your life is to worship, to express love to God. But God says, whoa, 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 wait. Before you start expressing love to me, before you start worshiping me, what I desire more than your worship and your sacrifice is for you to show mercy to other people. Now, this has enormous implications during COVID-19. We should be showing mercy to people. The survey should go, what's the number one thing you know about Christians or the number one thing you think or impression you have of Christians? Oh, they're the most merciful people I know. That should be the survey. Because we should be showing mercy to people who are like us and people who are not like us. Like we talked about last week when we talked about treating people right. We should be showing, dare I say it, I said it in the first service, we should be showing the mercy to people who vote like us and people who don't vote like us. We should be showing mercy to people who have our own convictions about masks, whatever they are, and showing mercy to people who don't have our convictions about masks. Micah, it says 5.8 on your outline, but it's actually Micah 6.8. I made a mistake there. We have, we have people who... Who show me mercy under the thing? But hey, mercy, little Jerry, I want to tell you that's the wrong address. So they did under the pavilion uh, in their, between services. So Micah six eight, if you'll make a change to that, says the Lord has told you. And this is a good verse. It's a it's an important verse because it has the word require in it. That's not always that verse. That word doesn't pop up all that often. The Lord has told you what is good. Okay, he's like I don't want you wondering what is good. I'm going to tell you what's good. And this is what he requires. Circle the word requires. Pretty strong word. Not prefers, not hopes. This is what he requires of you. To do what's right, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. Three things. Three things. It's not that complicated. It's hard to do. But three things. It's not that difficult to understand. It's just not easy to accomplish. He expects or he requires of us, do what's right, love, mercy. That's what James is talking about in this verse, mercy triumphs over judgment, and walk humbly before God. So we're to do right by people, we're to love mercy, and we're to walk humbly. Now there's a third important reason why God expects me to show mercy to everybody, not just the people I want to show it to or the people that I like, but to everybody. Number three, because I need mercy to get into heaven. I need mercy to get into heaven. Now, this makes us a little uncomfortable. This point is not my favorite point. This point is like, I kind of want to go, well, yeah, but, but it's Jesus that we're, yeah, button. And we need mercy to get into heaven. Matthew 5, 15, Jesus says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Yeah, but Jesus, yeah, but, and Jesus says, let me read it to you again, Jerry. 5.15, Matthew says, But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive. Your... Wow. We cannot receive what we're unwilling to give ourselves. You see, the only way we can get into a perfect heaven is by God's mercy, by His forgiveness and by His grace. We can't afford to burn the bridge that we need to walk over to get into heaven. He says, If you won't show mercy, why? Would you expect me to show mercy to you? Now, there's a famous story, a famous quote by Pastor John Wesley. Someone came to Pastor John Wesley, he's a famous uh, pastor, who actually, he founded two denominations. I mean, you talk about an over, overachiever. He started the Wesleyan denomination and the Methodist denomination. John Wesley was, was having a conversation one time with a guy, and the guy says, I could never forgive that person. He named the person. And John Wesley turned to him and says, well... I hope you never sin then. He says, what do you mean? He says, if you can't forgive him, I hope you never sin because you're burning the bridge that you have to walk across in order to get into heaven. I mean, look at this verse from James that we talked about that Callie read at the beginning. You must show mercy to others or God won't show mercy to you when he judges you one day. But the person who shows mercy will stand without fear. He's talking about the judgment. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, James says it in a negative way. Jesus says the exact same thing in a positive way at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount when he's going through the Beatitudes. Jesus starts his famous Sermon on the Mount The greatest sermon ever is found in three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in blessed, 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 or blessed, blessed, blessed. And he starts with Matthew 5, 7. He says, this is Jesus. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So God is a merciful God, okay? God's merciful. He wants me to be like him. And I'm going to need mercy to get into heaven. There's a fourth reason God wants me to be merciful to everybody. Number four is being merciful is a remedy for depression. A remedy for depression. Now, a lot of people are depressed right now. I mean, who's not depressed? This has been one of the most grueling, one of the most difficult, emotionally difficult 
years of our lives. It was supposed to be like two weeks, and then it was supposed to be like for 30 more days, and it's like it's going on over five months. We're heading into six months, and it's like the whole year. So if you've ever been down, you're probably down farther than you've ever been. If you've ever felt blue, it's okay. You're not alone. People are like, Jerry, I just can't seem to shake this heaviness. No kidding. You know, cut yourself some slack. Everybody is struggling. Even your biggest Pollyanna, Jesus loves me person, is going, man, this is hard. Exactly. The only people who are fine with this are the people who are in denial. You know, I mean, like, hey, everything's just fine. Yeah, you're sick. Uh, this is not fine. So don't be so hard on yourself. But a lot of people are depressed or distressed. They're down because of COVID. And when we stop focusing on our own pain, it's real. And we stop focusing on our own problems, they're real. If we stop focusing on our own difficulties, even though they're real, I'm not saying deny, I don't have any problems, I don't have any pain, I don't have any difficulties, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when we stop focusing on them, yeah, this sucks. If I could say that on Sunday, I say it every Sunday. We stop focusing on that and we start focusing on other people and we start showing mercy to other people. You know what it does? It lifts our spirit. It increases our energy. It produces happiness. Isn't happiness the opposite spectrum from depression? You want to be happy? Show mercy. Don't take my word for this. But Jesus you can trust. In that beatitude, Matthew 5, 7, the word merikos is what we say for God blesses or blessed is or blessed is. If you grew up like I grew up, it's blessed. It literally means happy. So Jesus is saying happy are the merciful. Jesus is saying that. You want to be happy? Show mercy. Show mercy, you'll be happier. That's your Savior. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You see, God set up the universe with certain laws. They're unchangeable laws. The law of gravity. You don't have to believe in it. Jump off a building. Still applies to you. Okay? The, 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 there's all the law of inertia. The law of diminishing return. There's so many laws that one of the laws is the law of sowing and reaping. Now, some people try to say, oh, yeah, that's karma. No, karma's just coming. It's sowing and reaping. Let, let me let you know, um, this universal law of sowing and reaping is one of those principles that apply. When you help people, you're going to succeed in life. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And you're going to be happier. If you want to be happier, to come out of the dumps of depression, that's totally understandable, by the way. The way you work your way back is to start showing mercy and helping people. Happiness, look, happiness doesn't come from living for yourself. Have you, have you discovered this with, a, with enough celebrities and enough you know, superstars that are out there. They're just living for themselves. Man, I'm, 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 life is YOLO, they say. Yeah, none of those people are happy. 
long term. That's where they go from one thing to another to another, from one relationship, from one marriage to another to another, from one to another to another. They're searching for happiness. They're trying to live life for themselves. They'll never have happiness because happiness, you actually get happiness comes from giving your life away. That's what Jesus says. Proverbs also says a merciful person helps himself. When you're merciful, you're helping yourself. Look at that. Look at that verse. A merciful person helps himself, but a cruel person hurts himself. That's the principle in the universe of sowing and reaping. You get what you sow in life. People try to call it karma. It's not karma. Of course, the greatest example of this is the story of Job. We talked about Job back in that series on fear that Ashley mentioned in the video, that Job literally lost everything in his life. He lost his health. He lost his family. He lost his, his wealth. He lost his job. I always chuckle when I think of that. Job lost his job. Like that, or is that job lost his job? Or Job lost his job? Or job lost his job? Like, you know, a little ADD here. It's like, oh, a squirrel. I, I just get distracted. He lost everything except his nagging wife. You should go read that. People laugh like I was kidding around. No, the, God, the only thing God left him was his wife, and she nagged all the time. He left him, thanks, God, you know, kind of a thing. Could you take her too? Um, you know he was thinking it. I was thinking it when I was reading it. So his friends come to visit him. They must have been Christians because you know what they did? They didn't show mercy. What does Job's friend do? Some of you know the story. They judged him. Oh, yeah. They didn't show mercy. They judged him. They criticized him. They second-guessed him. They pulled out all their Bible verses, even though Job's the first book in the Bible wasn't even written yet. And they're like, well, you should have done this, and you should have done that, and, you know, you did it all wrong. They kept saying, it's your own fault. Have any of you ever heard that from religious people? I was born Catholic. I was raised Southern Baptist. I always say as a Catholic, I was a little guy, I learned it's all your fault. It's your own fault. It's all your fault. That's what I learned. And as a Southern Baptist growing up as a kid, I learned, and you're going to hell. It's all your fault, and you're going to hell. Now, that is not the good news. That is not the gospel. It is true. It was all my fault, and I was going to hell. But none of that's good news. That's the bad news. Okay? Eventually, I stumbled into the good news. Um... The Bible says that the great turnaround in Job's life occurred not when he thought of himself and he did some introspection around that fire, but the Bible says that Job's big turnaround actually happened when he prayed for the people who were criticizing him. Do we ever do that? Job 42.10 says, After Job had prayed for his friends, the critical, judgmental friends, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. In other words, before he had this big crisis. So here's the big idea. The big idea is we have a choice. We can choose to go through life as a judgmental person or we can choose to go through life as a merciful person. And you are making that choice every day. You can choose to criticize. You can choose to point out flaws. You can choose to condemn. You can choose to judge everybody who doesn't measure up to your standards. We don't even measure up to our standards. We can make everybody around us miserable and ourselves 
miserable. Judgmental people are miserable people. And their kids and their spouses are pretty miserable too. Or we can do the opposite. We can be an agent of judgment in the world or we can be an agent of mercy in the world. And if we do that, our whole life will be happier, will be better, and I dare say so will the lives of our spouse and our children. It's our choice. And maybe you say, well, okay, Pastor Jay, how do I get started in being an agent of mercy? How can I become God's agent of mercy instead of one of those judgmental people that are part of the survey? Well, you start by getting in this book. Ashley was right. You start by downloading the Bible app and start a reading plan. And the more you're in this book, the more you start reading it, the more you start studying it. By the way, Pastor Rich's class, class 201, Maturity Matters, is all about how to study God's Word, how to meditate on God's Word, how to apply God's Word in your life. Class 201. So if you've been through Membership Matters, which I teach... Then you go on to second base to class 201, Maturity Matters, and Pastor Rich teaches you how to study, how to read, how to apply, how to meditate on God's Word. It's a, have I mentioned lately you should, read, you should read your Bible? God doesn't want to judge. God doesn't want to be the judge. He doesn't want to judge people. He would rather be merciful. In fact, God's plan was to pour out Straight from the New Testament. I'm not making this up. Pour out all of his judgment on Jesus at the cross. God has already poured all of his judgment there. And now he offers mercy to us because of Christ's payment on the cross. When we're judgmental, especially when we do it in like Christianity's name, when we're judgmental, what that really means is we don't understand our Bible as much as we think we do. You see, in Matthew 12, 7, Jesus says this. Now, he's talking to the most judgmental people in the pages of Scripture. He's talking to the Pharisees. They were the most religious, most judgmental people in the history of Scripture. In Matthew 12, 7, Jesus says to the Pharisees, But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this Scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. That's one of the times that Jesus quoted Hosea 6.6, which we read earlier. So I've got a choice to be judgmental or to be merciful, to be an agent of mercy or to be an agent of justice. So we looked at the four reasons why God wants us to show mercy to everyone. Now I want to quickly give you the how. How do I do this? Well, mercy is kind of like a diamond. There's a lot of different facets. But let me just give you four practical ways straight from God's Word. Like I said, these are pretty simple. This isn't going to be new information. But even though they're simple to understand, they're difficult for us to do. And it is a little bit, it is a little bit blunt for us. But I want to challenge you. God wants to challenge you. If you're going to build a faith that works, especially in this environment, here's how you do it. Number one. What is, how does God expect me to show mercy to everyone? Number one, forgive people when they mess up. Forgive people when they mess up. That's an act of mercy. You've heard me talk about forgiveness a lot. It's because it's all in the Bible everywhere you turn. 2 Corinthians 2.7 says, When people sin, 
you should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. So they won't give up in despair. So when we don't forgive and we don't comfort them, they give up in despair. So we're to forgive the fallen, especially when they've hurt us. You see, the normal reaction when someone hurts us is we want to retaliate. We want to, we want to hit back. We want to defend ourselves, don't we? We want to get even. Or we at least want to write them off. Defriend, you know, never talking to you again. I'm done with you kind of a thing. But an agent of mercy forgives the fallen. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, this is how you're to pray. Do you realize, have you ever read the words you pray? When you pray, our Father, who art in heaven, you know the prayer. There's a phrase in there that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Like, ah, can't we leave that part out? Well, Jesus taught us. This is how you're supposed to pray. It's in Luke 11, 4. Oh, it's a dangerous line to pray. But Jesus says, this is how you're supposed to pray. Yet, don't you get a little, a little queasy when you say these words? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do we? I mean, that's like saying, God, God, I want you to forgive me as much as I forgive everybody else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I meant. Uh, you know, but that's the prayer, right? Do we actually want to, Lord, I, Lord, I want you to forgive me just like I'm forgiving everybody else in my life who's hurt me. Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So the question I have, simple application, who do you need to offer forgiveness to? As soon as I ask it, God, boop, he puts their... He puts their avatar right up in your head, right? You're like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to think about that person. I already forgave them a long time ago. I've never done to talk about it again. At Seminole Community Church, we want to be known as a church of mercy and grace. We do not want to be known as a church full of judgmental people. Do you want to go to a church full of judgmental people? No. That's why you're here. This is a place to start over. This is a place that if you've messed up your whole life, you're welcome here. In fact, I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again just in case you didn't hear. If you're perfect, you're not welcome here. See ya. Okay? In Jesus' name, I mean. I love you. <laughs> but yeah, if you think you're perfect, you probably are going to be uncomfortable here because none of us are perfect. We've messed up, all of us. This is a place for people who don't have it all together, for people who've messed up, for people who have fallen. We show mercy to people who've messed up. That's going to bother you if you're all judgmental. You're like, well, why are y'all forgiving them? Because we follow Jesus? I don't know. You have, have you not been around? The second thing that God wants to show us, why God wants to show us mercy or how to show mercy is we've got to be, this is a little harder, this is a little deeper. You've heard enough about forgiveness where you've developed a, a resistance. You know, you're like that bi- bacteria who's a, or that virus is going, yeah, I can handle a little talk of forgiveness. I don't have to go do it. I, 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 I can block this out. This one's a little harder. We've got to be patient with people's quirks. Oh, yeah, we're full of quirks. There's a ton of quirky people around here. And if you didn't know that, <laughs> you're the quirkiest among us, probably. 
Yeah, there's a saying that says, in every life a a few fruit loops must fall. And we got bowls of them around here. Okay? I mean, people, we all have our own peculiarities. We all have our own mannerisms. We all have our own idiosyncrasies. We all have our own odd behaviors. We all have our own annoying habits. You're saying, what? Absolutely, moi. You, even you, you've got them. You annoy some of us. I say in love. And here's the deal. When you control your frustration and your anger for all the annoying people, all the people with the weird habits, all the people with the idiosyncrasies and with their quirks, when you... When you kind of control all of that, all the irritating behavior, now don't look, don't look at them if they're here with you. You know, I see some side eye look going on over there, like you know, kind of a thing. At least you didn't point. That's that's progress. When you decide to control your anger and your frustration, and you don't get, you're showing mercy. Maybe right now while you're stuck in this whole COVID thing, you've spent more time around your, your nuclear family than you've ever spent. This is the year you've spent more time. It's like y'all been on one long camping adventure, and it's, it's hard. You know, some of us, some people aren't going to make it. They're not going to survive. This would be my advice to you, to every marriage, to every family with kids especially. Man, if you got teenagers, you need this. Ephesians 4.2, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Every marriage should memorize this verse. Every parent should memorize this verse. Everybody with elderly parents should memorize this verse. What is an elderly parent? A parent who's older than you. I think almost all of our parents are older than us. Are you doing that? Are you making allowances for each other's faults because of your love? You know the first place we need to show mercy? It's at home. A lot of marriages are buried by just a lot of little digs because we're not showing mercy. Romans fifteen seven, Paul writes and says, Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Look, Jesus has accepted you with all your quirks, with all your idiosyncrasies, with all your faults, with all your weaknesses. And he says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. You want to, give, you want to know how to give God glory? Start accepting your spouse instead of criticizing your spouse. Blunt enough? Start accepting your spouse instead of criticizing them, instead of complaining about them, instead of picking at them, pick, 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 trying to make them explode. You know what buttons to push. Stop that. Start accepting your spouse in their weaknesses. Everybody's got them. You do too. That's being an agent of mercy in your marriage. And with your kids, they've got their faults. Accept them as Christ accepted you. You know, most of our kids, you know where they get their faults? From their parents. Go figure. You're looking at a mirror, buddy. This is what brings glory to God. Every time you don't bring up something, they're on your last nerve and they're driving you crazy and that habit that they always do, they've always, you're like steaming. Every time you don't react, every time you don't bring that up, you're bringing God glory. 
Some of us could bring a lot of glory to God this week if we would just zip it and control our eyes from rolling. James 2.13, this is from the today's English version, same verse. If you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. So show mercy to everyone. I forgive everybody when they mess up. I'm patient with people's quirks. Um, number three, show respect to people who disagree, who disagree with you. I show respect to people you disagree with. That's showing mercy. Certainly we need a lot of this in this polarized and divided world that we're in. Look, there's a lot of dumb ideas out there. I'll admit it. Just look at your Facebook feed. You're like, that's dumb, that's dumb, that's crazy. Well, you don't have to, like, comment those words, okay? We can treat people with, even if you think they're dumb ideas, the whatever their convictions are, their beliefs are, you think that's dumb, you can still treat them with respect. We can disagree without being disagreeable. 1 Peter 2, 17 Treat everyone you meet with dignity. I love the message paraphrase of First Peter 2.17. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. It's what we should, we should put that on our little Twitter ID thing where you put, God, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor. You should put that verse up there. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Hello. Everybody? Yeah, everybody. People that disagree with me? Yeah. People that I don't even like? Exactly. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. We're getting ready to go into the fall with the whole election thing. I guess we're between conventions. And even though the race hasn't officially started, I guess it starts next week or the week after, whatever it is, things are going to get mean-spirited. Going to? Things are already mean-spirited. And there's going to be attack ads. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Don't worry. Even though I don't have enough time to cover all this, I'll bring it up again. Ephesians 4, 31 32. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Oh, let me. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful. I want you to see six things here. God says this is merciful and this is the opposite of merciful. These six things. How would you rate yourself on this? Are you rude? Do you yell? Do you curse? Are you mad? Are you angry? Are you bitter? I mean, six of them. All those six things. You see, today, Christians are being attacked all over the world. And there are some Christians who feel attacked and are being attacked here in America. There's real persecution happening in other places where people are being pulled out of their homes and they're being... Real persecution, they're being martyred, killed for their faith. Do you believe in Jesus? Either deny him or we're going to behead you, we're going to crucify you, we're going to shoot you. They're dying for their faith. That's real persecution. And even in our country, there, there's definitely many groups who are pushing anti-Christian agendas because we represent a barrier to them and their agenda because of our, our loyalty to God and his word. So they attack us. So what should our response be? Show mercy. That's what our response should be. Show mercy. We have to ask ourselves as a church and as a believer, do we want to win the argument 
or do we want to win them to Christ? I dare say there's a lot of Christians out there that would way rather win the argument than win someone to Christ. Their favorite Bible verse seems to be, I'm just going to click off the dust of my shoes and move on to the next one. I'm done with you. That is not showing mercy, church. If we're not showing mercy, we're not following Jesus Christ. And Jesus gets more radical about this. I know I'm about out of town. Let me just, let's not cut Jesus out of the equation here. I want you to not leave here mad at me. I want you to leave here mad at him. Okay? Maybe not. Look what he says in Luke, this, you do not want to read this verse. Luke 35, 6, 35, 36. You would really want me to, to skip this. Jesus says, love your enemies. Oh, come on, Jesus. Love my enemies? Yep, love your enemies. Do good to them. What does that mean? Show mercy to them. When's the last time you did something good for your enemy? When's the last time you did something good for someone who totally disagrees with you? Who totally disagrees with you politically or culturally or relationally or religiously or whatever? Love your enemies. Do good to them. Oh, it gets worse or better, however you want to look at it. Lend to them without expecting anything back. When's the last time you lent some money to an enemy? Uh, never. Right? Then your reward will be great. God's going to reward us, he says. Our reward will be great in heaven. Some people aren't going to have any rewards in heaven because they don't know how to be merciful. Your reward will be great in heaven, and you will be the children of the Most High. Great compliment, because God is kind. He is merciful to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This is all over the Bible. See what I'm saying? Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. If we all got what we deserve, we wouldn't be here anyway. We have to realize when we see people hurting people or when they're hurting us that hurt people hurt people. I want to tell you one of my favorite stories. I'm going to give you this last point real fast. There's a story, a famous story about President Abraham Lincoln. He's my favorite president. My favorite president of all presidents has been Abraham Lincoln because he was born on my birthday, February the 12th. You should be writing this down. February 12th, past year's birthday. I know many of you already had that memorized. So at the end of the Civil War, the, the southern army has been defeated. Southern states have been defeated. The northern states, this is 150 years ago, President Lincoln is giving his, basically his last speech from the balcony of the White House. And at the end of the speech, and the Civil War has been won, ending slavery, there's a senator from Iowa, I think, his name is John Harlan, and he hollers out to the president, what should we do with the rebels? And the crowd, the unmerciful crowd, starts hollering, hang them, hang them, hang the rebels. It's just like a political rally today. You see this on, on TV this week, I'm sure. So next to Lincoln is his youngest son, Tad. He's 11 years old, very famous for this. And he turns to his dad and he says, no, Papa, don't hang them. Hang on to them. And Lincoln looks at his son. He says, you got it. We're not going to hang them. We're going to hang on to them. And he had the solution for all the bitterness, all the betrayal, all the violence, all the literal war between families. Last one. I got to keep going. Help anyone who is hurting. If I'm going to show mercy, I got to help anyone who's hurting. We're not to be judgmental. Mercy triumphs judgment. Jesus told the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. I talked to you about that last week. In Proverbs 3.27, wherever or whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. How do you do good? We have to look for this. We have to pay attention this week. We have to practice what I'm calling premeditated mercy. 
You've got to decide tomorrow's Monday, God, I'm going I'm to show mercy to somebody. Who can I show mercy to today? And I know some people are like, well, Jerry, can't you go overboard on this whole mercy thing? Absolutely you can. Jesus did. On the cross, Jesus went way overboard on mercy. Now, maybe if you've never accepted God's mercy for you, you, you can't even give mercy if you haven't accepted God's mercy. Titus 3, 5 says, Jesus saves us not because of the good things we did. It's because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, just like that picture in baptism. And he gave us new life, raised to life. If you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, where your sins are washed away and your past is forgiven and you receive the mercy of God's grace, I want to invite you to do that right now. Will you pray with me? Let's bow our heads and follow me in this prayer and just say, Dear God, right from your own living room or from the beach, wherever you're watching from, or maybe the pavilion, or if you're right here, just say these words in your mind. Dear God, I need your mercy in my life. Jesus Christ, thank you for showing me mercy. Thank you for giving me what I need, not what I deserve. What I need is your forgiveness. What I need is your love. What I need is your power. And today, as much as I know how, I'm opening my life to you. I want to learn to trust you and follow you for the rest of my life. And in your mercy, please accept me into your heaven one day. Please be my Savior and show me mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for saving all these people who are praying this prayer. Help us to show mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you've been watching online, thank you for staying with us all the way to the end. I hope you'll watch next week. We're going to be talking about how to have real faith instead of fake faith. The difference between real faith and fake faith. I hope you'll watch us. God bless you. Have a great week.